Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This week's SyrupCast is sponsored by Rome Mobility. Stop paying roaming fees. For unlimited talk, text, and data while traveling in the U.S., visit RomeMobility.com and order your SIM card today. Want to get my clap on? Welcome to SyrupCast episode 25 on this, the snowiest day in a few days. No, <laughs> it, is, uh, it is snowing like crazy outside, but we are... Nice and comfy in our homes, drinking something. I'm drinking tea. Uh, Douglas Soltis, what are you drinking? Hello, sir. Straight vodka. What's up? Team Blake. Straight vodka. Well done. Uh, This is uh, Dostoevsky's Russia, after all, and this is the Crime and Punishment Podcast. Ooh. Interesting direction. Ooh, I swore. Um, Oh, whoops. Whoopsie daisy. And... uh, was that actually vodka, Doug? Yeah, I'm glad our mics have cough buttons. Wow. Woo. Jane McIntyre, <laughs> how are you? Are you sober? I am sober as a judge. Sober as a Supreme Court judge. Oh, God. Oh, Not a grand jury. Snap. They can't have been sober. I can't tell that much. Well, it was a 4-3 decision, and we'll get to it later. Three but of them were sober. First, the Blackberry Classic. Okay, let's get right into it. <laughs> Full disclosure, this is the second time we were doing this podcast. Uh, We had some technical difficulties, and uh, we have already talked for about 15 minutes. So whatever you're about to hear, this is our second go-around. This is a good version. This is the distilled version, yeah. Douglas is going to cut out all the the foofiness and the hot air, and he's just going to give you the facts. You had, if the first time was the Smirnoff vodka, (laughs) then this is the Grey Goose. Oh, yeah. Grey Goose Podcast. That's the, the name right there. Uh, Green Label Stoli only. <laughs> okay. I don't know anything about vodka, so I it just... Was, know that. It, was, it was water. Oh. I'm, I'm dehydrated. I wanted to... No, you should have owned it. Yeah. No. I thought you were cool, Doug. Yeah, now you're now that you're not drinking vodka, our tea just sounds... Trumps it. So the classic... Mmm... Orange Pico. Blackberry Classic. So we're coming out next week, next Wednesday. Um, there's a, a launch event in New York. I'm going down for all the festivities. And we will, we'll see what they have in store. But we do know a few things about the, the uh, Classic. First of all, it is $500 outright. It's ready up for um, pre-order. Second of all, it is... $50 on contract, which is significantly less than the uh, Passport and significantly less than most BlackBerry flagships. And that's because this isn't really a flagship. This is a bold 9900 with a slightly bigger screen, a slightly higher resolution screen. 
we do know a lot of things. First of all, it looks exactly the same as the Bold, but it's got the internals of a Q10. So on paper, not that impressive. But what it does have is that trackpad that everybody loves. Does anybody love the trackpad anymore? Jane, what do you think? I just thought it was funny that you said it's not a flagship, and I thought really thought you were going to say that it was an afterthought. <laughs> I was like, burn! But, um, yeah, no, because I, I just don't see this factoring into to BlackBerry's bottom line. I don't know why this phone exists. <laughs> and just, yeah, I don't get it. I think it's, maybe it's a nostalgia thing. Well, that's what, that's what they're banking on, I guess. But I don't know. I just don't. If I was a black, if I was a bull and a hundred fan, would I would I want this? Would I would I get really excited? Yeah, maybe. But I then, think so. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what these people think. I don't know what their <laughs> I don't know their, well, their thought process is. So the 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 caveat to this or the context that we we so thoroughly and juicily discussed before is that a significant portion of our readers are coming to look for BlackBerry classic information. So a bit of yeah. our our, our interest in this is on discovering our readers' interests in the classic and, and why they want yeah. a Q10 with a, wearing uh, the clothing, the belts of the 9900, mm. branded as a throwback, branded as the Mini Cooper, the, the, the greatest hits version. And I think it's... The branding that gets the attention uh, for people to pay pay this to mind, and and then there are people that will not give up their BBO7 uh, BBOS uh, BlackBerry 7 OS device that would be far more likely to buy this than say a Q10, Q20, Q30, Q whatever, because they just want their same thing that they've always had, just just a little bit better. Um, but that doesn't explain, you know, I think the way that we put it, or because we're doing a tete-a-tete on this. We're like, we saw our numbers. People are coming into mobile syrup. They're just like, bum, 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 BlackBerry Classic all over the place. Um, if every dude on Bay Street from 2004 uh, bought a Classic in 2014, that still wouldn't account for the interest that our site is demonstrating in this device. And I think it's because of the branding. I think... It's because Chen so came weird, out though. changed the way that that they they label the devices. It's not it's not a Porsche style kind of like Z this Q this. Um, they have identities, and I think it's it's it was a really smart move to to. But it doesn't have to... an identity. Like you talked about how it's essentially you know it's like a Q10 in you know bold 9900 clothing ish. But it's got like the belt. I don't know. But it reminds me of you said the Mini Cooper. It reminds me of when they brought out the Mini Cooper SUV and they were like, "Hey, it's a Mini Cooper," and because branding. And most people were like, "No, it's not. It's not a Mini. That's not a Mini Cooper. It's not Mini." So I feel like it's it's when you talk about the phones have like an identity. I feel like the classic doesn't really have its own identity. It just it's just they're just trying to hawk it off the back of the success of the Bull 9900. Well, they're not they're not even denying that. Yeah, no, but that's what I mean. So I don't think that it's got its own identity. Like you were saying, Chen came in and, and his, I guess, his way of, of leading the company, the, these phones have their own identity. And the Passport, I would agree, definitely does. But this, well, I don't think it has its own identity. Because all. it's strange. But the, 
that's I mean, its identity. It is. <laughs> it's, it's strange. It's yeah, no, like and people I People look at it and they go, oh, that's interesting. But the, the classic is interesting for the fact that it's essentially a reboot. You know, it's not a sequel. It's a reboot. And it's one of those things where they rebooted the movie too soon um, <laughs> with slightly better special effects. It's, and, yeah. And they're it's expecting the Spider-Man. people to line up, you know. Wow. It is. No, it's a better Spider-Man. Well, I'm very classic is the amazing Spider-Man of smartphones. Um, Ooh, that's, that's good because there, there's a lot to be taken from that. The amazing Spider-Man was youthful. It was sort of a different storyline, better special effects, but ultimately it was soulless. There was really no, like the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans were, 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 were clumsy, but they were clumsy in sort of a, Charming way? Yeah, like, you, you sort of saw the director behind them. This doesn't seem like there's much of anything there other than the fact that it's taking... And what's what's interesting about it is that I spoke to somebody during the Passport event about the classic, and, and they told me that the classic's existence is tied to the fact that people found the Q10 too confusing when they got it. That the, the, the 9900, people liked it so much because... Um, it was straightforward. They understand how to use. It. They understood how to use it, and there were a lot of people who upgraded to the to the Q10, expecting a 9900 experience. And what it did was, they find confusing about it? The gestures. Okay. They found BlackBerry okay. 10 as an OS confusing. Yeah. So let's so, give them another phone with BlackBerry 10. Yeah. So the 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 solution to that isn't then taking that OS and then throwing more stuff on top of it. So going back to your um, your Solus point, which is sounds harsh, but um, you know, the thing about this is, like, you were talking about this this device having an identity of the the reboot of this. But, uh, again, the reboot isn't being done by the original people. This is uh, a now a company with entirely new leadership, with uh, Qunix running the software helm, both at the OS level and the design level, who had no input on uh, any of the BlackBerry... OS devices and the hardware, and it's being manufactured by Foxconn. So this this literally is uh, a new approximation of the original, not not the the classic coming back. The, the, yeah. That's exactly the same as the Amazing Spider-Man. That's because what I'm saying. I'm saying at yeah, the time, yeah. this was a Sony Pictures movie, and then and then Marvel got bought by. Shout out uh, Sony Pictures. Poor oh, guys. Oh yeah. Poor guys. Seriously. Poor guy. <laughs> Seriously. Now we know a few things as well about Spider-Man. Yeah. They wanted Spider-Man to be a guest on the 2016 Captain America movie, uh, and that didn't happen. But yeah. uh, you know, also Marvel canceled. So Marvel yeah. was bought by Disney, and Disney bought Lucas Films, and they bought everything else. But Marvel is now subsumed into Disney. It's still an independent um, subsidiary, but essentially Disney is making all the shots, and they're trying to get every superhero in the same movie. But back in 2002, when Spider-Man was rebooted for the first time, because there were still Spider-Man movies before that, you know, it was it was before this, gl- like, this huge influx of superhero movies, and it existed on its own. But the classic is basically the 2002 Spider-Man with the Amazing Spider-Man title, right? Because it's existing in a, t- in, in a completely different smartphone world, when people are used to touchscreen devices. No, and... no, no. I think I think you got that wrong. I it's it's the it's a totally new thing made by new people 
masquerading as the 2002. Right, but it's but it, where is its soul? Where is its intention? It's the second half of a ghost-written Michael Crichton book that was finished after he died. Wow, we're this is so much. <laughs> if, if people had heard the the now lost and forgotten original pod, this was like a much uh, more hybrid discussion. <laughs> yeah, weird. And now, like, also, you know, shoutouts not making a movie about assassinating a dictator. Um, oh so. my god. Um, but if no, okay. That was the reason. But uh, to to I guess to draw this together, I think there's like I think the big disconnect is there's a lot of interest around peop- what people will think of as someone bringing back something that was at least beloved before under that label classic. Can it still be beloved now when it's not that? It's New hardware, yeah. new OS made by new people. Would it be on. would it be more fair to say that it's not a it's not a, a reboot of the the Bold 9900, but like a do over for the Q10? It's yeah, it's yeah. It's, that's yeah. that's a really good point because the Q10 and Blackberries acknowledge this. You know, the Q10 was not the phone that they thought it would be because people didn't really like BlackBerry 10 in that form factor. They were expecting the bold, you know, the bold 9920, and they got this weird. And at the time, BlackBerry 10 wasn't a very good touchscreen OS anyway. I mean, it was fast, it was fluid, but there weren't a lot of third-party apps. The Android support was very lackluster. Um, I think with this, at least you can get an approximation of the best of both worlds. It's not quite there. You know, you still lose out on a lot of functionality if you're coming from an iPhone or an Android. But if you're coming from a Bold 9900, this is going to be very familiar and yet comforting enough that you feel like it's a big upgrade. This is this is an OS built for peak and flow, for gestures and forward, not backwards. And now they've added a menu button. And a lot of developers who have built native BlackBerry 10 apps who, if they wanted to, added menu buttons as a touchscreen interface are now going to have to completely redesign their user interfaces because there's now going to be a dedicated menu button on the device. Like this yeah, is well, it's it's so kludgy. It's a kludge masquerading as a as a as a reboot and it's being built by someone who has a history of maybe how do I put this? not having the best manufacturing record. And uh, this device is being officially announced and released two weeks before Christmas, which is basically beyond the point at which sales for this device would really deliver in 2014 over the holidays. And I'm not so sure how many devices that they're going to even have ready to, to fulfill orders this year. Right, but it's also... Sales like sales channel or, or sales um, run through is going to begin right at the beginning of their new quarter, which means that they're going to be able to go to because they're they're um, announcing their their quarterly earnings tomorrow, which is December twelfth, and as a result, they're going to have a full three months of sell through for the classic. Which is unheard of usually when you when you when you bring out a smartphone. Yeah. Um, so. You know, it's not going to be over the Christmas break, 
or at least it will be for a week. But it, it, it'll but, be. But it doesn't matter, anyways. If if that was any other hardware manufacturer, would be like, well, they're screwed because no one's going to buy a phone at this time. Right. But they're only trying to sell it to the people who are holding on to legacy Blackberries, anyways, which is like a benefit and then also a limitation because that's not that many people. Like, it it, it allows them to retain and generate revenue from a, a current installed base. But if you look at the the Canadian or the global numbers, that installed base of legacy BlackBerry 7 users isn't, isn't is like, what, less than 1%? No, 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 it's, it's a lot higher than that. Of, 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 of legacy BlackBerry. So not, like, BlackBerry's total, total market share is BB10 and BB7, but what percentage of that is BB7? A lot. There's, there, there's a lot of BB7 users still. Yeah, but it says that 1% of global? Of global, oh, global as in all smartphones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, way less probably. So, so. But that's like, because BlackBerry is like way less than one percent of all smartphones. Yeah. So then, so then, what are, what impact will this uh, lately released, uh, re- quickly rebooted device like what will it do wh- when the real story about BlackBerry is all the software stuff that they're doing, whereas just today. Uh, it was announced that Ford is booting Microsoft to put Qnix in their cars. Like, that's the BlackBerry story that's going to matter, not this device. Yeah, I mean, this device is basically catering to people who would have upgraded to a new phone from a different manufacturer once their bold 9900s bit the dust. You know, they, they're just giving these people an upgrade path that keeps them within the BlackBerry ecosystem, period. So... And I, I apologize, I made a mistake. The reporting date is not tomorrow the 12th, it's um, the following Friday the 19th. So, so right after, right after the, the launch of the Classic. Which means that there's still going to be three months of, of uh, sell-through. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Classic is, is an interesting product for what it isn't more than what it is. Uh, this is certainly not going up against even... It's not even pretending to go up against uh, the latest phones from uh, Apple or Samsung. That's what, uh, you know, to some extent, the Passport is for. This is just filling a gap in the company's potential user base that the Q10 just never could. Yeah, but it's, it's man... Yeah, but Q10 didn't they expect the Q10 to fill a gap in the user space? <laughs> yeah, they did, and, and they're going to try again. I mean, that was Thorsten. This is this is Chen, right? BlackBerry under Thorsten was a very different company. So we'll see. Um, Post a comment and let us know why you would search about information about the Yeah, why you care about it. Yeah, is it a nostalgia thing? I mean, are you going to buy one, or is it more like, uh, hey, I just want to know about it because it's, it's a Canadian company and they're on the up and up. Or at least on so the did you go and see it because it was Spider-Man or just for Emma Stone? <laughs> That's what we want to know. Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, Emma Stone. Obviously, Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Emma Stone. Birdman, Birdman. <laughs> what? Oh, so good. Uh, what else is Android good now? Is Android Wear 5. Finally, Watch Face API... Um, custom watch faces from that are endorsed by Google, uh, awesome companies such as Ustwo, 
the who made the game Monument Valley that you must 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 buy because it's amazing. Uh, they are five stars. They have given the uh, their interpretation of the Android um, watch face uh, ecosystem. Uh, there's some love. So if you do have an Android Wear device, uh, Moto 360 smartphone or smartwatch three. Uh, LG G Watch, Samsung Gear Live. Uh, your update is coming. It may not be there yet, but it'll come out in the next couple, maybe next week or so. Uh, is this? I mean, th- there are some significant updates here. Um, not to mention the fact that you can finally get rid of specific apps sending you notifications from your watch itself, rather than banning it uh, on your phone. So, what do you think, Jen? You wear a, a Moto 360 every day. Have you been looking yeah. forward to this? Um, yes and no. I mean, I mean, Google talked a lot yesterday about how developers have found um, lots of great ways to get to get watch faces out there before the watch face API, and they've been really creative about it. And Google, yeah, Google has said, you know, any non-compliant apps will be like watch face apps will be removed by like what January, end of January. Hmm. But I, I was super excited about it, and then I realized that I already use like other apps to do custom like facer and stuff to do like custom custom watch faces and I'm yeah I'm just yeah I'm excited but you know I'm not I'm not I mean yeah I, I had like a mini freak out yesterday when it happened <laughs> when I've had the night to sleep on it so now I'm like eh what ifs are you excited you realized there was just watch faces yeah I don't know I mean I'm I'm excited because the the watch that I that I wear the most um, right now which is the LG G Watch R has an amazing screen and god-awful watch faces. (laughs) And none of the third-party ones, the unofficial ones that I've seen, have come close to the stylings of the Moto 360, which I really love, even though Motorola's given you a bit more choice there, adding your own backgrounds, and they let you customize it through Moto Connect. I don't love the screen on the Moto 360, so I want to be able to download watch faces from a third-party developer that can be used on any on any smartwatch. Uh, and I also like the fact that Uswo is not just designing interesting smartwatches, they're doing smart wa- sorry, fa- uh, watch faces. They're they're doing watch faces that have utility. So they yeah. plug into your calendar and they show you when is your next meeting or uh, let me see here. They have a couple of other ones which are really interesting. Uh, they have something called Next which is your next calendar episode. Uh, it's, it shows you the weather and the upcoming weather in like a three-pane circular watch face. Um, Oh, that's runway, sorry. Uh, Episode is just the weather. It says rain, then sun, or sun, then more sun, stuff like that. And then this this one is really cool. It's called the Albumin, and it's an abstract calendar face showing a constant 12-hour overview of your day. Large blobs indicate when you're busy. And then it says, fun fact, albumin is the white of an egg. <laughs> so it's very minimal. And this is really cool. And they've come out with some other ones. They're not sort of productivity-based. They're just sort of fun and, and really beautiful. And I can't wait to try them. And I can't try them until I have 5.0, so I'm really waiting for my update. Yeah. I think someone, someone in the comments on that on that story said that he uses Android Wear, and he bought it just because he wanted to try it. And this is the way I feel about it, too. But he bought it just to try it because he was like, yeah, whatever. And now he can't live without it, and he he gets annoyed when he doesn't have it just because it's just nice to have the notifications like right there. So I think yeah, as more updates add you know 
not necessarily more utility, but just I think like like better solutions to what it already does. It will mm -hmm. be exciting. Yeah, and on on that note, I've I've actually got the SmartWatch Three by Sony in my hands, and this is their brand new device. It's coming to Sony stores and online in the next couple of weeks, but it's available on Google Play already. And this is interesting for a number of reasons. It's um, it's relatively modular in the sense that you can take out the watch itself, and if you're looking at the video podcast, you can see here uh, I have it just removed from the the sports strap. But at the same time, uh, it's also waterproof. It, it it has a GPS in it, and it uh, it does not have a heart rate sensor, but it's it's well made. It's really really nice, and um, I don't know. I I like it a lot. Uh, this the screen's pretty terrible, actually, but that's really the only downside. Uh, it has some pretty bad... Doug, you're laughing. Well, so it's like, it's, so the one thing that you're going to spend all your time looking at is not good. True. True, true. They did, it, did look, it did look pretty... Like, it was as... The, the design was as, like, as sexy as rubber can be. Yeah. Uh, as know? sexy as rubber can be. Are you sure? What kind of rubber products are you buying? <laughs> Um, no, I think when we looked at it yesterday, the I noticed that with the like most of the bulk is underneath. So you when you popped it out, I don't know if you can show it again, but when when you have it in the strap, they they put all the bulk kind of on the part that's going to be on your wrist. So when you look at it, when someone else looks or when you look at it from like top down, it's not like this big chunk that sticks up from your wrist. It like it right. looks a lot more discreet. Yep. I still think the Zen Watch is the best looking smart, uh, next to the Moto 360. Uh, this doesn't look bad. It just kind of looks plain and boring. Um, the Moto 360 is probably my favorite, but none of them are perfect. Sony might say that instead of plain and boring, it's like understated, but utilitarian. Yeah. Very uh, sporty. But like, okay, so. I don't want to be. I don't want to be. Do it. A D, I don't want to be a D word. I don't want to be a Douglas. But <laughs> just hearing you guys talk for the past five minutes about just watch faces and just like. Oh my God! You're going to talk about your TV and your e ink phone. No, I'm just saying. Like, are you guys actually hyped by this? Like, hype check, guys. Like, are I you? Told you I'm not. I'm not hyped by it, but I'm. I'm excited that. I think a lot of people misunderstand Android Wear as when are they going to make when are they going to give it more features when are they going to do more with it and I'm like no they just they're making it better they're they're, they're like making the, the things that it does now better and I'm excited about that we don't yeah, understand I, it like things make go to the market so fast so we don't even understand what like what what we want to do with them yet I have no preconceived notion that Android Wear is very useful right now. It's not a particularly great product, but what it does, it does relatively well, and because the hardware is all very similar, and the software is controlled by Apple, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is great. I cannot wait. I can't wait for the comments. This is the best. Well, I mean, in a sense, it will be controlled by Apple because anything that Google oh, no. will follow. But oh, that is own it, own it, Vader. Oh, I'm own, owning own, it. I'm owning own, it. Own your cat-loving, Apple-loving bias. Oh, I, hate, I don't, that that comment was like 
that like hurt my soul. I love dogs. Yeah. Dogs are my my spirit uh, animal. Aside like more from my people. fiance and my job and you guys and my family, dogs are very close to why I am alive in this world. Yeah. Like Daniel's... I love dogs more than more than most people. Yeah. Daniel's patroness is definitely a dog. So my my spirit animal is mm. is an Irish wolfhound. Uh, anyway, besides the point. Um, Google controls the software updates here, and right now I'm not even wearing an Android Wear watch. I'm wearing this Basis Peak, which is not a smartwatch at all. It's more of a fitness band that um, kind of portrays itself as a watch. It has a yeah. a really interesting e-ink display. It's touch-based. Um, I'm doing a review on it. I love it. It's not bulky. The battery lasts five days. In the middle of December, it's going to get an update that shows you your like ba- very basic notifications on iOS and Android. Um, Android Wear has great potential, and that's what I'll say. I don't think okay. it's met that potential yet. Okay. Yeah, I think at the last wearables that we were at, this is the last wearables of 2014, and they had an awesome panel on on smartwatches and and smart bands, I guess, and just the the varying like levels of opinion on what people are going to use them for, and they had like Minium was there, and they were talking about do people want to type on it? Well, no, people don't want to type on it, and the reason they exist is so they can give you notifications. But people are still taking out their phones just as often because you can't like there's very little you can do. You know, you can't action any notifications. So it really showed that like it's it's still so new that even even the developers and the companies making these devices are still feeling it out and and really trying to figure out what the best experience for the user would be in terms of functionality. Yeah, and if you don't know, what Jane's talking about is the, the We Are Wearables uh, series mm-hmm. of meetup events, which uh, currently mostly take place in Toronto, but I believe... Uh, there was one in Chicago. Yeah, yeah they're, they're starting to bring them around, so check, check them out. I think it's just wearewearables.com. Yep. See if one's coming to your, your neck of the woods. But, um, but yeah, it goes to show, yeah, it's just... It's, it's so exciting, and yeah, huge amount of potential, but just figuring out where it's going is is what's happening right now. And that's exciting, I think. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I, I saw you show off the, the peak there. I was I was wondering, did anybody... Do people... I find that when I wear any kind of smartwatch out, people are like, oh, is that is that... One they always say is that the Apple Watch. <laughs> and then their next <laughs> question is always, oh, so so what is it? It's a smartwatch? Like, what can it do? Does anybody ask you if the basis peak is a smartwatch, and then you have to be like, no, it's just like, just a Fitbit that looks like a watch. No, it, it's because it basically looks like a Casio. Yeah. People, uh, it does not look like a. It, it doesn't look like a smartwatch at all because uh, it's extremely. I wouldn't say unattractive, but it's very utilitarian looking. Understated. So. <laughs> no, this is just stated. Um. But yeah, I, I I also think smartwatches are too expensive right now, and the the smartwatch three being three two hundred and seventy dollars is just it's not it's not really in most people's you know front of mind. Mm. So what else? We have a bunch of a, a bunch more Android stuff. Android five point zero point one is rolling out to various Android device Nexus devices. The Nexus four and six have received. That uh, update over the air, uh, it's starting, I think, started yesterday. The factory images are available. They're also available for all the Nexus tablets, the Nexus 7 Wi-Fi 2013, the Nexus 9, and the Nexus 10. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot different. It's just a bit of a bug fix update, and they've 
I think everything runs a little bit smoother. But I, I also think that this is the update that the OEMs are going to be using when they start rolling out Lollipop. And we saw that with the HTC One M8 and M7 Google Play editions. That received Android 5.0.1, and it was delayed, I think, by Google because they wanted the, that code to get there. Um, yeah. So from our last podcast, that this is this is going to be the build that will be pushed out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've been running the HTC One M8 uh, on Lollipop for the last few days, and it's amazing. It's super fast. It's really what I wanted from the Nexus Six because the Nexus 6 is just enormous. So seeing what the what Lollipop looks like on a really good modern device, I've seen it on the Nexus 5, but I like the M8 better. I think I like it better as a phone. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. So, me too. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, haven't updated I, yours yet. I won't let me. It keeps erroring. It keeps giving me an error. I think I need to, I don't know what I need to do. But... You need to start fresh. Yeah, the two things to. that bummed me out most about the one I made were uh, sense, and then the camera, and this can potentially solve one of those two things. Well, with the with the camera, the Lollipop update gives it access to the new Android camera API. So even though HTC did a really great job adding a bunch of manual features to the one I made in its own sense camera app, the the Android Camera 2 API, which is the one that's rolling out on Lollipop, is just crazy flexible. And I've actually gotten some really great results from the M8 just through the regular Google Camera app. And I'd argue that they're better than what you'd find on the Sense app in 4.4. So we'll see. I mean, maybe we can do a little bit of a side-by-side comparison, but nothing's going to magically make the M8's 4-megapixel sensor better, but at least what it can... If the software can use what's... You know, the camera... What it captures to a better effect, then that's awesome. Yeah. So you think that right now the HTC One M8 is the best Lollipop Android phone? Yeah. I do. I think until the Moto X 2014 gets it, this is the best experience you're going to get from an Android phone right now. And I say that knowing that there are some, you know, people who are going to get down on the camera, but the camera is what it is, right? Like, it'll still take great photos in most situations, and it still takes great photos in low light, so you're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. But the battery's awesome, the screen's amazing, Build quality is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, you can't break that phone. No, you've dropped yours like twenty no, times. No, I dropped it. I dropped but it you last can't night. End it. Well, I yeah, <laughs> I dropped but it last night and got another nick in the side, and it's really it's like a really sharp nick because it's metal. So now every time I hold it, it spikes me and says, "This is what happens when you don't put a case on it." <laughs> it still works fine. There was like a brief period at the weekend where the screen just became completely unresponsive. I mean, I read this great story. I think it was on Android Central. Um, shortly after I started with Mobile Syrup, a couple of months maybe, and it basically was how many times he dropped the HTC One M8 over the summer, and he wasn't using a case, and he was trying to see, yeah, like how many drops would it take? You know, what would be the what would be the the straw that breaks the camel's back? And 
nothing really did in in the traditional sense in that it didn't break the screen, but certain things started to go wonky after a while. So like he would take a picture, but it would be like just all out of focus all the time. Yeah. So the, I feel like we're reaching. That's the classic iPhone thing where like you can drop the phone and if the glass doesn't break, if things are fine, but then like GPS doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, just the radio just gone. I remember I had a Nokia 3210, 3310, uh, 3, and I put it in the washing machine and it came out and I couldn't believe it still worked. I couldn't. I washed it in the pocket of my pants and I couldn't believe that it still worked. And then I realized it took me. It took me a shameful amount of time. It took me like two days to realize that the the antenna was completely forked. And well done. And yeah. Yeah. It was close. Um, but it was completely gone and broken. I had no signal ever again. Oh, well. So you yeah. didn't use your phone for two days. That was back in the day when you didn't really need to use your phone every yeah. day. Yeah, exactly. I think we should have a podcast dedicated to old phones. Yeah, what was your first phone? What was what was the phone that made you ditch that? <laughs> uh, the LG Shine. The LG Shine? Yeah, yeah. The um, That, like, crazy uh, kind of slider phone. It was the first phone on Rogers that had uh, video calling. It had a front-facing camera, and it had video calling. It was not a great phone, but it was uh, it was mine. And after that, I I went BlackBerry. Uh, I, I had the Pearl, and then I had the Bold nine nine thousand, then the ninety nine hundred, and then I went to Android, and then I never went back. I went to the Motorola Milestone was my first Android phone. The Motorola Milestone. Yeah, that was the Droid. That was the international version of the Droid. What was your phone, Doug? I feel like Daniel went like almost straight to smartphones. Like you... uh, I was. Uh, so did I actually. Um, oh. And prior to owning this smartphone, I had actually never like never owned a cell phone and like was known for screening phone calls with my answering machine. Because that's back when you had answering machines. And I had oh my god! If hilarious. anybody has a time machine, we shouldn't use it to go back and stop Active War. We should just give it to Douglas so he can join us in the present. <laughs> what? This was sorry. This was two thousand and four. And two thousand and four. I was leaving like Archer, where the voice machine messages a decade before Archer. But mine, mine was the BlackBerry seventy one hundred R, which was um, a smartphone in a feature phone body. So the precursor to the 8100 Pearl. Mine was a Mitsubishi Trium Mars, and it was, like, dumb phone, like, before dumb phones existed, this phone existed. I think this it was, was the dumbest phone. <laughs> it was the dumbest. Like, I think it was replaced by... A rock. No, this is, this is, I always love talking about this because it brings you back to when before phones really had names, because no, like, no one gave a crap. Like, it was just like, what phone is that? And it's like, oh, it's just a phone. Like, it's just, yeah. you would never ask. So the phone that replaced it was this little blue Ericsson phone that was about the size of a box of matches, but... Like, Sony Ericsson or Ericsson prior to the Sony Ericsson? I think it was prior. I think it was just Ericsson Ericsson. Um, but yeah, so the, the Mars Trium was like a... Keep in mind, this was in Ireland, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we, I don't think we ever had Ericsson phones in Canada. Let me see if I can find... Uh, if I think if I even yeah, Google it, it was stop, just going to show typing, me... Stop typing. It's killing my, bad. killing my brain cells. 
Um, just use voice. Oh, yeah. Okay, Google. Search Ericsson cell phone only available in Europe in the 90s. <laughs> uh, okay, Google. No, it didn't work. Um, okay, so <laughs> the future is now. <laughs> future. We're, we're, we're doing this live, guys. Uh, breaking news. Hi, my name is Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, and I'm excited to talk to you about Club Med. Club Med operates beach and mountain resorts and is the best all-inclusive getaway for families. They have Club Med Punta Cana, their flagship family resort, and many other options in Mexico, the Caribbean, and around the world. Club Med are the pioneers of the all-inclusive concept, which is the best way to vacation. Great for families, groups, or even solo travelers looking for land and water sports, delicious food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us, call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Action Launcher 3 is now available from Chris Lacey. Bah, 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 bah. Master coder extraordinaire. Uh, often accused of abandoning projects he no longer likes, but, uh, you know, shots fired. Oh man, fired. don't hold back. No, I'm. I'm not. I'm just. I love him. I, I know. He's great. He's a great developer. I just. You know. I'm giving both sides of the story. Uh, it's an in-app purchase that you can get um, for premium. You can download it for free, and then download the uh, premium features for I think six bucks ish. Looks beautiful. It's going to bring lollipop-like stylings to your Android 4.1 device and up. Uh, Action Launcher three. I would love to get Chris Lacey on the on this show. I've seen him on uh, on I think it's this week in Android, and uh, he's fantastic. He's a really interesting guy. Anyway, Twia? Um, I should tweet him. We should we should all tweet him at the same time. Did you say Twia? I said Twia. Yeah, this week in Android. Yeah. Are we, we going to talk tweet him? about all of the regulatory stuff that dropped in the past oh. week? Oh. Are we are we just going to punt that? No, no, no. We're 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 getting there. We we were just um we're lubing ourselves up for it. Uh, I think. Wow. What we need to do no swearing, is... but we can make it infinitely more inappropriate using regular words. That's right. That's Shout what out to our likes. sponsor. Uh, we'll get to you, Rome Mobility. Mexico plans now available. We're just lubing uh, up. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk uh, before we get into the um, regulatory stuff. Let's talk. Intel. Intel's been doing some really cool stuff oh. with uh, some brands, uh, Luxottica, and we titled we titled this one. Some brands. Luxottica owns the world. Inter- Intel edition. Mm-hmm. Um, they have partnered with uh, the owners of Ray-Ban, and uh, who else? Oakley. Ray-Ban, Oakley, pretty much every every brand of posh sunglasses, Prada, Gucci, Tiffany, like every brand of sports. Premium and fashion, they they own it. Yeah, so they are partnering with Intel to bring sort of a smart eyewear product to market next year. Hmm. Intel has been pushing their smart wearables. Uh, they have a they have the Mica, which uh, is sort of a bracelet-like wearable that has a, a real-time OS. Um, yeah. They have this. What else did they launch? They launched something else in the last couple of weeks. Um, I feel like they did. The but they're on sale in Canada, right? Oh, the the Google Glass announcement, or at least or rumors. Rumor. 
Hmm. that Intel will be powering the next Google Glass iteration. And we wrote about the new the blueprints that were filed by the uh, by the uh, yeah. Intel, uh, U.S. patent office. No, USPTO. I feel like a lot of people don't understand the, the gravity of this deal. Like, one, okay. if they're powering Google Glass, that's that's fine. That's one thing. But this, first of all, this is a deal that spans multiple years. We don't know how long it is, but they did say it's like a multi-year deal. Uh, to Luxottica makes 80% of the world's sunglasses. Like, 80%. If you put 10 people in a room, 8 of them are wearing Luxottica sunglasses. Like, they earned, what, 7.5 billion euro per year in revenue? Like... I wear my sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I mean. I mean, so could that, if, if the rumors about Google Glass are true, it's basically, like, that's bananas. They said they're going to make, like, premium glasses as well as, like, fashionable glasses and sports eyewear. So They're just going to do it all. I think this is interesting because the CEO of Luxottica Group, Massimo Vian, mm-hmm. said, together with Intel, we will continue to develop the potential of wearables, expanding the limits of what eyewear can be. We'll lead the change to create frames that are as intelligent and functional as they are beautiful, which I think has been the one major issue people have had with, wearables is that they're just not beautiful. Yeah. And especially those that you wear on your face all day, every day. I mean, it's one thing to be wearing a smartwatch that you can potentially hide with, you know, under a sleeve. It's another thing to wear something like Google Glass that, you know, you look at people's eyes. That's that's the that's where, you know, your first connection to somebody. But and this is not a new problem. Like Anybody who wears glasses, I know that when I go and buy glasses, I'm like, okay, I need something that's going to look good all the time because I might have to wear it with everything every day. Sure. So I don't understand why wearables is like, like they're like, oh, well, you know, it's just hard to, to please everyone. Well, it's I think be- the beauty will hide the uh, lack yeah. of functionality, um, whereas if it's, if it's ugly, the only thing you have left is the functionality, and with a lot of these things, if we're saying that the functionality isn't really there yet or super well-defined, um, you know, you're just looking at, like, instead of, like, ooh, that's look, that looks pretty, I'd like to wear that, it's, like, why would I want that on my face? <laughs> but uh, I actually think that, uh, like, I I know that you guys, I see why you guys are hyped about this, but I'm, in, t- in terms of the other Intel announcements, I'm more excited by those, just because I just see... Like that's more futuristic and cool and crazy, and I I'm not sure what I like what I believe in terms of the potential for uh, eyewear wearables. Yeah, I mean it's not going anywhere. We've seen that. Yeah, I uh, mean it's also important to note that March, like March I think it was, Google signed the same deal with Luxottica. Like not the same one, but they also Google signed a glass deal with Luxottica. But that totally makes sense because if Intel's powering the next generation of yeah, no, that makes glass, sense. Then you know they have. It was Warby Parker that was providing the sun, the the glasses, uh, for this generation, yeah. uh, glass. Luxottica is a way bigger distributor of glasses than Warby Parker. Um, so yeah. another Intel thing has been its uh, creation of an Internet of Things platform. Uh, this is a bit kind of dry, bit dull. <laughs> But what it means basically is that they're trying to make Internet of Things products, any piece of technology that has a radio in it that can talk to another radio, 
be it a street lamp or a you know smart light bulb or whatever, um, uh, that they want to make it secure and they want to partner with existing companies like Accenture, Dell, SAP, Ypro to make them you know customer slash enterprise friendly. Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen. They're still going to be roll out Internet of Developer or Internet of Things developer kits. Mm. Um, and they're partnering with um, McAfee, which they own, the, the security company. Yeah. So we don't know what's going to happen with this, but this is a big deal because this means that Intel is finally getting into mobile in a big way, even though it's not mobile in the traditional sense of what we think about. Yeah, they're getting into connected, which is going to be you know mobile plus everything else. Right. And you know that that press release was the most densely packed release of 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 words that carry little meaning because right now there's nothing to show but intention. Um, and similarly with the with the Talus release, there you know it, the the importance is that they're they're taking steps towards this, but it's not like we can truly yeah. evaluate. Right. Methodology or impact. It's it's right. It's we're in that early stage, uh, land grab gold rush where people are are trying to be first movers. So, you know, you have the Intel announcement, you have the Telus announcement, where Telus is essentially building Canada's first marketplace for uh, IoT products and uh, backing it with their their sales teams and uh, also like. Um, um, Payments, so it's like a like bill, like uh, tied into the billing, and then uh, just this week you had um, uh, a local Toronto-based startup uh, launch uh, Freckle, which will be uh, an ad at Beacon Ad Network for uh, IoT. So basically, Minority Report style. Tracking in ads and sweet, I, can't wait. I think these 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 uh, announcements are really important in just in seeing which companies are trying to get there first and have that first mover advantage. But yeah. Mm-hmm. like, yeah, IoT is the unsex is the least sexy uh, aspect of of mobile computing at the moment, but it could be the most disruptive in the long run because the whole five G uh, standard is going to be built around the Internet of Things. Right, because Wi-Fi and cellular are going to cease uh, differentiation. Right, you're going to have just a single bunch of like a, a single connection from which all of your devices will potentially, you know, talk to one another. Uh, yeah. well, that was the was... HTC One M8 taking its 90th tumble of its oh. life. <laughs> well, let's hope Sorry. it's located. Go ahead. No, it's grand. It'll be fine. It's Trooper. It's champion. It's it's, it's a it's grand. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Telus also announced the first Canada's first Internet of Things marketplace, which is also very interesting. Uh, what else is on the docket? We have the Ontario uh, Parliament. Ontario legislator introduced a Protecting Passenger Safety Act, uh, a bill to address UberX essentially, basically trying to outlaw what it calls banded cabs. Uh, cabs that are not licensed, that don't have a, a, a chip, that aren't insured properly. Yeah. Um, so at that's that's really the same time, the Canadian Compet- uh, Competition Bureau is saying 
legislation should change to support services like Uber. You have the Ontario MPP saying we need to regulate companies like Uber. Yeah, and I, I think that there's there's a happy medium here. I think that enforcing UberX drivers to be sufficiently insured is a positive measure. I think if somebody gets into an accident in an UberX cab and their, you know, their insurance won't cover it, or the cab's insurance won't cover any any medical problems that uh, you know happen to its passengers when they're inside the cab, that's a big problem. But at the same time, you know, you can't stop progress, and UberX is a very important. Uh, it's it's not a cab service so much as a ride-sharing service. And I, I think that you know, we need to hammer down what that differentiation means. Yeah, because it's, you know, it's the real thing, I guess, that is, is driving the growth is the UberX black cab, right? Well, the UberX, the ability to, to undercut real cabs by hiring a black, an UberX uh, car, which is, you know, could essentially be you or me. Yeah. And the sharing you know, economy. This morning, um, my fiance needed to get to work, and she was having problems. So she opened up Uber to see what uh, what the availability was like. And at 9 a.m. or 8:30 a.m. on a on a snow day, surge pricing was in effect, and it was 1.5 times the normal cost with a $22.50 minimum charge. Doesn't matter where you were going or right. how far. Yeah. I mean that's. Like that's a problem. So if there can be more cars on the road to um, you know meet that demand, then all the power to Uber for making that available to people. But that's just you my know. Opinion. See, I heard when you said that. I I imagined um, the CEO of Uber um, just dying of dehydration in front of me and me charging him surge pricing for a bottle of water. But um, I have noticed that uh, Transit, one of our, our favorite apps for figuring out uh, how long until the streetcar that will be jam-packed is coming, has integrated uh, Uber car listings in there. So not only you can see uh, what streetcars are nearby and when they're coming, but uh, the closest uh, Uber driver, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. It um, is. This comes after Google did the same thing earlier this year with Google Maps, but that's less prominent than this, right? Because what you'll, when you get into transit, you see the closest streetcar, subway, or bus routes, and then right underneath it is Uber, unless you explicitly turn it off. But by default, it's there. And this is basically the company's way of saying, hey, Uber is not quite the same as having a, your own car on the road. Mm-hmm. This is just another form of urban transportation, another form of alleviating the number of cars on the road in the long run. You know, that, I mean, that's, that's it's a debatable, but it's, it's an interesting spin on, on, a, on a problem that we've been talking about for a very long time. I think that the tech and the, the capabilities are very separate from, say, my opinion of Uber as a company and some of the issues that they're having with company culture. But I, I think no one begrudges the, the tech or the services or the opportunities presented by kind of mobile. I just I just don't. I'm not an Uber guy. You're not an Uber guy. Cool. Well, Horse and carts. 
You do like your CDs, and you do oh, not get a cell phone. Oh, come on, come on. I was on, I was on, I was on that sweet Halo kit before anybody else. So don't talk to me about being some sort of like retro. Let me take my unicycle Lodi. or my my big front wheel bike down. I I do That's not support. Uh, I do not support companies that openly discuss spending money to uh, slander or attack journalists for reporting on the dumb crap that their uh, executive board does. Okay, no, no, hang on a second. Let's separate the Uber executive team and the technology behind Uber and the fact that it's being incredibly disruptive to an industry that needed disruption. Yeah, that's I don't, why... I don't, support, I don't support Uber's uh, very, very like publicly heinous behavior towards journalists and towards just you know the public need in general but on you know on in many ways it is it is filling a gap in in an industry that needed to be messed with yeah well i another company can come along and fill that gap without it being uber well um, halo and tried and they failed miserably well halo tried but with a, a slightly different model right i'm i'm saying and i'm what i was just saying before was i have no problem with the technology i have a problem with the people running it Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in much of the same, we've had this conversation before with apps like Tinder. I have no problem with the, you know, I think I think culture matters. Sure, I, I agree with that. But I mean, this this comes back to like the whole regulatory stuff goes back to, you know, when a company gets big enough, it starts getting onto, uh, it starts getting the attention of of government regulatory bodies, and this happened with Microsoft. It happened with Google. I mean, the EU is talking about splitting up Google for whatever reason. They, you know, talked about splitting up Microsoft and forced Google them to make changes. Google just left Spain. Google was just like, fine, Spain. See ya. Well, only for its, its news. For news, yeah. Yeah. But still, I mean, that's... Yeah, they're basically saying, okay, fine. Like, we don't need you. Yeah. Well, it's just like... So, you know, there are reported stories of uh, Uber having team parties where they would pick a celebrity and track their movements throughout the city, um, which is, you know, beyond beyond the, the journalism stuff, we're talking about user data and user privacy, um, which is interesting that the uh, the Privacy Commissioner of Canada, who I didn't know existed until we saw the release, um, along with uh, other provincial and international bodies, have requested that all app makers, uh, or all app stores, uh, support a policy whereby developers must disclose uh, their privacy policy for any application that uh, mines personal user data. So, like, not only what they're using the data for, um, but why. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. And, you know, I hope that, that this sets a precedent for other countries. Because yeah, data well, is, the, is the new... I mean, data is the new currency, right? Yeah. That these companies are amassing so much information about us, and we assume that they're not using it for nefarious purposes. Um, but as you've as you've shown, as 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 has been shown by other companies, they are they're they're taking advantage of of how open we are and how well, willing to check boxes we are. Or not even necessarily nefarious, but even just like stupid and annoying, or like very human. Um, s- situations that are, you know, 
not uh, like just just you just don't like you can't trust like the policies aren't in place, so it's individual people that may or may not be compelling uh, making those decisions. Um, you know, like like there it's the whole thing with the uh, like the NSA and the spying. It's like it's not that like there's a, a criminal mastermind behind it all. It's just like regular human beings checking to see what their ex-girlfriend was up to and stuff like that. And like you just you don't want that's that's why privacy exists. Right. But do we get do do we have an obvious um like guarantee of privacy? Should we and that's something else that happened, you know, the Supreme Court ruled today that if you're arrested, you don't need a search warrant to get into somebody's phone. Like, that was a 4-3 to three decision. It went against what happened in the U.S. earlier this year. And the U.S. Supreme Court said that it violated the Fourth Amendment. Uh, we don't have those those same kind of fundamental... What's the Fourth Amendment? Uh, the right of, the, the right of uh, search and seizure. So the right against search and seizure. Okay, because I know that the three... The three, it was four to three, so the three people who were against had said that, um, I guess it all centered around this one case where someone had their phone searched after they were arrested, and they said that it violated his constitutional right to privacy. Like, they said that it was, a, like, a violation of his constitutional rights and that, you know, it should not have been, should have, shouldn't have happened, but it shouldn't, it also shouldn't have been admitted as evidence. Um, but, yeah, they're, they were on the, the losing side of that argument, I guess. But... Right, because they're the the judges that said that it wasn't a violation of somebody's privacy are likening the a, a person's cell phone to a person's bag, which well, they're they're not really. Um, they 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 know that it because this is like twenty three thousand words, and I read it twice, so I'm like, and I still I think I don't have a, a full grasp on on what they're what they're saying or what it means. But they're saying that it's not like a briefcase or a document um, in that it can have infinite amounts of information about someone. Um, but their workaround for that is to say that it's fine if you arrest me to look at my phone, but you can only look at you know the most recent things that I've done. So you can look at like recent calls, recent emails that have been sent, recent photos that have been taken. And that is not, the problem that I see with it is that they... <sighs> They need to define what recent is, and it's going to change with everything, with every crime and with every with every incident. But the the four, I guess you have to meet four criteria if they want to search your phone, and one of them is that um, the third one is that the nature and extent of the search has to be tailored to to its purpose. So they're saying that you know there's no blanket rule that will cover everything, and I would agree with that. But the problem with that is then they anything that the police can then say they felt was relevant. They yeah. can do, mm-hmm. yeah. Which and, is, yeah, because then you're now you're, and we're seeing like, are are you trusting the police to do that? Right, um, and that's in good faith. And that's so the four criteria is that the first is that the arrest itself has to be lawful. Um, and already, I mean, I already I see people having trust issues with that because, you know, we've seen a lot of cases. Well, we just like it's just it's just fact is that not every person in a position of authority is a good person. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say that the arrest must be lawful, but what happens when it's unlawful arrest? It's like the search has already happened at that point. Even if it's deemed to be unlawful, they're already searching your phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, second is that it has to be truly incidental to the arrest. It has to be relevant to what they've arrested you for, which, again, they can say that that's anything. 
Third is that the nature and extent has to be tailored to the purpose, um, which, yeah, is problematic also because then you're relying on those people to make judgment decisions, which is how we got into this position in the first place and why the Supreme Court was forced to make a ruling was that two cops made it, or two, I think, I think it was two, made a judgment call and they said that they wanted to look at his phone to see if it, if he had evidence and they found it. But, you know, they, that was their call to make, even if they had been wrong. And then the last thing is that the police have to take notes. <laughs> Detailed notes was the suggestion. So they have to notes about everything they're looking at, their procedure, what they're you know, how long they're examining the device for, every every part of the device that they examine, they have to write it down. And again, that's just relying on their honesty and their judgment and their trust to the, that this that procedure alone will be enough to keep them from and they say it in the judgment, they say, you know, it's you're not we're not saying it's okay for them to browse your phone. And they use the word browse. So, but at the same time, yeah. I don't so, know. So two I things. trust everyone. This demonstrates that, you know, law is not only um, judgment's precedent set. So how, how this judgment comes down and is articulated will be defined by specific cases and how they're tried when this, like, this comes into evidence. Yeah. But then also, I can very much see... Uh, two things happening, uh, or like, yeah, so A, a police, um, like, a, a applications which will track the last recent things that you were doing, so should you be arrested, you can say, these were the most recent things I were doing on my phone, you can't touch anything else, and then activity or key loggers for situations where the police officers have your phone, so if they're not taking notes, you can know what they were looking at, like right. the, you know. I think that's more. I think that's more. Um, I'm not, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. I think that's more realistic than than what you're talking about. Is I know you know. Then you have the issue or the the case where the suspect is saying, "Here's an app on my phone that shows you what I just did, and you can't and look at anything outside that app." Because then then you're saying then you're you're then you're trusting the suspect to to be honest. I guess. Yep. Um, well, and then the, you bring back burner phones. You're still always going to be useful. <laughs> Um, yeah. I just don't understand the the opposing side was saying that um, the the reason so common law allows the police to to search you if when you're arrested and the reason behind that is so that you know if you're carrying a weapon or if they believe that something you have on your person um, is a threat to public safety or a threat to their safety that's what the search is for and that's why they are allowed to search you without a warrant um, and the people against this judgment we're saying that what part of a cell phone could be considered a threat? And even if, you know, there are extreme cases where it is, what I don't understand, what I don't understand is why they wouldn't just seize the property if they believe it's being used to commit a crime. Yeah. The laws for the seizure of property without a warrant cover that basically if you believe it's been used to commit a crime, if it's been obtained, if the property has been obtained through, you know, via a crime that's been committed, um, they're allowed to take it. So I don't know why... Why they wouldn't do that? So are the laws in Canada for seizure uh, of property seizure of property the same as in they are in the U.S.? I don't know, but I have them right here, and it says under Section 489 of the Canadian Criminal Procedure and Practice for Search and Seizure of Property, a peace officer in lawful execution of their duty may seize anything without a warrant that they reasonably be reasonably believe to be obtained by a crime, used in a crime, or affords evidence of a crime. So that, I would feel like the third part of that really just covers like what they're asking for, which is they feel that 
by searching your phone, it might give them evidence, like faster evidence of a crime that was committed. So they're in the case that they discussed in today's ruling, they said that these guys had like robbed a jewelry kiosk and they, it was an armed robbery. Um, it's still not really clear if the gun was real or fake, but they believed the gun to be real at the time and they, they caught these two guys and they lo- they said they looked at the phone because there was stolen property and what they believed to be a weapon unaccounted for and they felt like the phone would help them get that property and that weapon off the street. So I don't understand why then they wouldn't have just seized the property as evidence. Right. Especially because they, and it, this was a case, this was not the case of like scumbag police. They did, they looked at the phone very briefly and then they went back later and actually obtained a warrant. Which is why even though, and again, I'm going to read it a third time <laughs> just so that I can fully digest it. Um, I'm still not sure if the Supreme Court ruled that they made the right call. But I know that the Supreme Court chose to dismiss the appeal from this guy who said that it was an invasion of his privacy because when they did apply for a warrant, he didn't object to the warrant. So they're saying you can't argue that it was an invasion of your privacy if they then applied for a full warrant and you didn't contest the warrant. Would it matter if there was a security lock on the phone? So that's one of the things. Um, One of the readers made a good point of if they arrest you and ask for your PIN code, can't you just say, I want to speak to a lawyer, I want to speak to a lawyer, I want to speak to a lawyer? And if they can't access your phone, then... Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know. Um, but yeah, there has they, they did say that that was part of the reason the, the today's ruling, was, that how it came about, was that there's been so many different approaches over the years where the police only looked if there was no password. Um, or, you know, if there was a password, they, they weren't allowed to, or they felt they weren't allowed to, so... Don't... Am I, am I wrong in assuming that they also have software now able to bypass that? But then I think that that today's ruling, they they go on about, you know, it needs to be prompt. It needs to be a prompt search. So I think then what you're coming into is it's like you're not you're not searching. It's not a cursory glance at most recent call logs to see if they called the getaway car. You're saying, well, we're going to take it back to the station and we're going to, you know... Yeah, we're so it's not a CSI it. smartphone and they're... Yeah, yeah okay. they're, then they're saying, well, then you have to get a warrant. <laughs> like, if you have time to do that, you have time to get a warrant. They have a hotline 24 hours a day called Telewarrant that they can use to apply for warrants for these situations. So, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting. It's super interesting, but bottom line is, if you're saying that if you don't have anything to hide, you shouldn't be worried by this, uh, that's crap. And you should definitely be, be upset by this, I think. Because there's some people who are saying, well... We should never. We shouldn't afford criminals' privacy in the first place. But it's not. It's not criminals who should be worried. It's regular people. Yeah, right. I mean, only a criminal once you're convicted, not once you're arrested. Yeah, yeah. and someone else said that. They said that um, if you know, oh, you're saying only criminals should be worried, or if you haven't done anything wrong, then why why do you have anything to hide? And it's like, no, if you're if you're arrested and they decide to, if you're arrested because they think you're drunk and they decide to check your phone to see, you know, where you were, if you have any pictures of you doing shots. Like, who knows what they're going to see on your phone? And if they, if you're found innocent, then that's yeah. they've seen all your stuff, and it, you have nothing. It's not. Wrong. It's not. It's not a uh, a need to hide. It's it's a it's a right. It's yeah. a right to privacy in a, in and a it burden. goes yeah, and it goes back to the whole NSA prism stuff when they're saying a lot of people when that happened said, well, if you don't have anything to hide, then you shouldn't be worried. And it's like, well, I don't have anything to hide, but this is when I want cameras mounted in my house and broadcasting to the internet. Yeah. Right. But so we've been teasing this. I mean, the NSA's purview was for um, non-Americans or Americans uh, or non-Americans living in the country 
or non-Americans in general, right? Like, the whole idea of it was that they were uh, they were monitoring Americans even if they didn't mean to. Mm. Like, this is... No, this they is... were monitoring everyone to track non-Americans either in the country or in contact from abroad. Right. But, I don't know, we've been te- so we've been teasing this for a while, but we got a special podcast coming up where I think we're going to... Um, yeah, we're going to talk about this a bit next detail. week. Yeah. Um, it's not set in stone, so I don't want to... Don't, gonna... don't get your hopes up. <laughs> get your hopes half up. Um, so I, I think, finally, uh, if we want to sort of go back to the consumer... And on a high note. And end on an interesting note. Uh, one of the biggest Windows Phone uh, supporters that I know and, and probably the Internet knows, Tom Warren... Uh, who's who's a Verge staff writer who started uh, Windows... Uh, forget what he did. This was, like, back in 2011 before he did that. Uh, anyway, he's given up on Windows Phone because he says that Microsoft has given up on Windows Phone, that they don't have the apps that he needs, they don't have the carrier slash even Microsoft support that they need and that he can get a better Microsoft experience, like uh, Google does on iOS. They can get a better Microsoft experience on iOS and Android, which I actually find interesting in light of the fact that they're releasing many apps uh, on iOS and Android that weren't previously available. Yeah, it's because their their mobile-first strategy means that they're prioritizing where the mobile users are rather than trying to bring them along to their own platform. They are now a distributed services company. Yep. Which is great. Yeah. I think that's really great. I think that they're doing they're doing right by their their platform, right? Microsoft's platform is not just Windows anymore. It's no. a bunch of disparate services that fall under the Office umbrella. Uh, it falls under the um, you know Outlook umbrella, uh, OneNote, like all of these things. They're services that need to be available on every platform, and I think they're going about, going about it the right way. Yeah, it's a portfolio now, one might even say. I don't even think it's a platform. It's just, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's all these nodes connecting together rather than, like, and back in the day, the only way that you could get the full portfolio of, of Microsoft software and services was in, in a big bin called Windows, and now... Those bins are no longer required. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing he says is that a lot of the f- a lot of the flagships that Nokia was working on before they were acquired by by Microsoft have been shelved or canceled, and uh, it doesn't look like they're really focusing on any high end hardware anymore because they're just not making any money for the company. Yeah. So. Yeah. Tom Warren has moved on to an iPhone, and he still has a Windows phone, and he will probably always yeah, write about Microsoft. This guy is like, what? He's the founder of WinRumors, right? WinRumors, that's it, yeah. Like, that's what. It, but yeah, so for him to to make that statement is is pretty big, and you know, whatever faith that we have in in Microsoft and and their efforts with Windows Phone, like this guy, you would assume would have more. Right. Um. But yeah, it's sad. Um. With that being said, the Windows, uh, the Lumia 830 is is available in Canada. 
that's kind of the high-end phone that you can get right now from Windows Phone. The high-end, low-end. Hey, new Foursquare app. <laughs> yeah. For Windows tablet. Finally. Well, because the the Windows. Well, they got the Foursquare one. They got the phone one last last week. Oh before. yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Windows Phone is a great example of a well-engineered uh, platform that just can't exist without developer support. That's OS2 yeah. Warp. It's true. So, I don't know. Do you guys have anything anything else on your, on just, your minds? You said, you said we're going to finish consumer. I thought that meant high note, and it didn't mean high note. It just meant low note. I mean, shout out Jeff Bouchard. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry for breaking your heart, buddy. Yeah, what are you getting for Christmas, Jeff? <laughs> Sad panda. <laughs> um, what else? No, nothing else. Um, I think. Hey, okay, we're going to Ho Ho To tonight. Yeah. Uh, to raise uh, money for charity, uh, Toronto Food Banks. Uh, you probably can't be there because you'll be hearing this after the event. But I'm sure there's still a way to donate. Uh, if you're at all interested, simply because uh, Toronto food, food banks, bank. yeah, they're in, in in a great need, and as we approach the holidays, it it would not be the the worst thing to do. So that the, that those five dollars that you weren't going to spend on those free to play app updates, maybe maybe toss it someone else's way. Mm. Um, if you're feeling super selfish. <laughs> Scrolls came out for Android tablets today, which also costs five dollars. And on the other side, <laughs> I'm just saying. You said you know five dollars if you're not going to spend on free to play. I'm like, if you're the kind that would. But yes, always charity better. Do charity good. You do you, podcast listener. You do you. <laughs> Whatever way you decide to go, we love you. Yeah, do we, we love any, you anyway. Do we got any comments from the last pod that we want to discuss, or mm. uh, besides from me not being a cat person? No. You're yeah. a good person, Daniel. Don't let them get you down. Oh, I I would never. I would never dream. <laughs> I honestly think that maybe 70% of my job since I came to Mobile Syrup is just all of us telling telling each other that we're awesome. <laughs> That's the only <laughs> reason to of, hire like, co-workers. Self-affirmation that happens at Mobile Syrup. You're great, Daniel. You... You're great too, Jane. And See, Doug. And Doug, awesome. you as well. And Ian. What a hero. What a guy. What a hero. He's busy working on the back-end stuff. Hopefully next week will be uh, everything will be more stable. We apologize for any downtime yeah. that happened earlier this week. We're we're uh, we're upgrading all the servers to Windows ninety eight. So that Windows should, Phone. Um, yeah. Trust us when we say that it was more painful for us than it was for you. That yeah. Okay, and and Schulitzer said, don't uh, let anybody monopolize a topic. Which I, I assume is me because I, I tend no, to talk. No, that's that's a, that's yeah. a, that's a that um, is a Tron subtweet if there ever I was will, one. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind the next time I talk about uh, Supreme Court justice rulings. For no, that was minutes. super interesting. <laughs> no, that was really cool. Uh, we also want to uh, give a shout out to the penultimate episode of Serial. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet. Uh, and I also want to give a great shout out to our sponsor, Roll Mobility. Uh, Yay. They. I uh, just launched New Mexico plans, and uh, they are much better than most of the uh, carrier-sold bundles that you can buy, uh, in, you know, from Rogers, Bell, or Telus. Um, uh, and just while... to clarify, those are Mexico plans that are new, not New Mexico plans. Correct. You can. Because get... I was like, New Mexico plans. What happens there so often? 
you can get rural mobility in New Mexico, and uh, you can also then go to real Mexico. They have all the Mexicos covered. Yes. So uh, whatever your Mexico, Rome, Rome has got you covered. Rome has got you. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, go to romobility.com to learn more. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Please give us a review, comment, suggestion, thumbs up, thumbs sideways, whatever you want to do. Uh, don't don't text and drive. Yep. Um, don't, don't drive, drive at all drive. today. Don't, well, if you're in Toronto, don't drive at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but. if you get arrested, request a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever you do, do it for the pod. Yes, always. And that's a great way to close. So are we closing? <laughs> ABC. Always be closing. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course. And I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.